name of the Lord. Amen. How, how many believe that the name of Jesus is the greatest name that's ever been given? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word of God lets us know that his name is above every name that's been named. So there is no other word that's ever been uttered in the English language or the Hebrew or the Greek language or Spanish or Italian or French or any other language that has the power of the name of Jesus or Jesus or Yeshua, the name that's above every other name. Not only is it above every other human name that's been named, whether it be President Clinton or President Bush or President Obama or Napoleon Bonaparte or Alexander the Great or all these great leaders and heroes through history, the name of Jesus is above every name that has been named and has greater power. Come on, somebody. The name of Jesus has greater power than the name of the greatest doctor or the greatest seer or Nostradamus or any of these great individuals. The name of Jesus is above every name that's been uttered in the earth, above the earth or under the earth. The name of Jesus has all power and all authority. Hallelujah. Not only human names, but names of other gods with a little g. You can say Confucius, you can say Muhammad, you can say Buddha, you could say the various gods of Hinduism, you could say Zeus, Dionysus, all these other gods that have been named throughout history. And the name of Jesus Christ is the name that's preeminent in power, in influence, in ability, amen, in authority. The name of Jesus is above every name that's been named. Whether it's a human whether it's a fictitious made-up little G God or little G God that represents an evil spirit loose on the earth today, the name of Jesus has more power than anything that's been named. Not only that, but the name of Jesus has more power than any other thing that's not a person or a God, such as diseases. The name of Jesus has authority. It's more powerful than heart disease, than diabetes, than cancer, than arthritis. Anything that's ever been named is under the dominion and the authority. Come on. The name of Jesus is more powerful than bankruptcy. The name of Jesus is more powerful than job loss. The name of Jesus. Jesus is more powerful than divorce. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands and praise him. Shout unto God. His name is worthy. Hallelujah. God bless you, and you may be seated. The question I have for you today is, the spirit of the old got milk commercials is, got faith. I know last year I preached a sermon entitled Got Praise, but today I want to ask the question, have you got faith? I found in my short and ever-growing longer life that there are certain things in life that you need. That means that they're critical in importance. There's some things that may be a want and may bring a certain amount of pleasure and fulfillment in terms of how they make you feel but they're not needs. I remember hearing when I grew up, and I agree with this, uh, that in the year that we live in, you need a college diploma, or, I'm sorry, a high school diploma in order to be uh, a success and find jobs. Uh, I've also heard that if you're driving a car, you need auto insurance. It's not just a, uh, uh, an extra special something that you can have like a uh, like uh, say, I'd like to get uh, a glass packs on my car, or I'd like to get uh, bigger rims. Those are wants, but auto insurance is a uh, need. And 
If you're going to drive, a driver's license is another need. Can I get an amen? You guys believe this. And when I was growing up, my dad planted in my heart and in my mind that you need a college degree, uh, a college bachelor's degree. Even though my father himself didn't have one, he knew that in the years that uh, I was living in, we were living in, that I would need a college degree. And uh, so these things of critical importance that we mentioned, without these, if you don't get these things that you need, your life can be seriously hampered and your experiences can be seriously hampered. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most familiar words in our language, and we're going to talk about faith, the word faith, and how we need faith. Everybody say faith. Let's talk about faith. And I believe out of all the things that you need, all the things in your life that you could say fall into the category of need, you need faith the most. You need it more than any of these other things that are perceived or even real needs in your life. And the question I'm asking today is, got faith? Have you got faith. Now the word faith is uh, a word that just like love uh, a couple weeks ago or last week can have a variety of meanings. And the generic meaning of the word faith simply means to believe in something or to put confidence in something or someone. Faith is believing in someone or putting confidence in someone. I imagine some of you uh, heard a public statement by the golfer Tiger Woods on Friday. In fact, they said basically the whole United States shut down and came to a standstill when he got in front of that podium to give his apology for his indiscretions and the harm he did to golf and to his wife and so And toward the end of the speech, I found it very curious that he said, for those of you that believe in and now do not, I ask you to, in the future, could you try to believe in me again. Obviously, Tiger Woods is not saying, I am God. But what he was saying is, have faith and confidence in me. Put faith in me. Not spiritual faith, not faith to be saved, but uh, understand that uh, I can be trusted again. Because if you don't believe in me, it's because I've been unfaithful. And you can't put your confidence or your belief in me. And many people put their confidence and belief in a person or a thing. You know, like a, they use the word faithful to describe. He's a faithful man, meaning he's, he pays his bills. He, he takes care of his family. Or that, that old car is a faithful car. I think Brother Chris Lede has a faithful truck. Uh, had it for uh, 63 years. He starts it up by putting two wires together, and he's got... Uh, a little uh, trap door where the feet go that he can move so he can run it like the Flintstones if he needs to. But it's a faithful truck. It starts up over and over and over again. So you can talk about a vehicle. You can talk about a person and use this word faith to describe it. It simply means you can trust in it. You can believe in it. And, of course, the dimension of this word faith that uh, we use in church or you hear associated with Christianity simply means faith means a person's commitment to a religion or a philosophy philosophy about the divine, about God. And so people use faith to describe their belief in the system or philosophy of religion called either Buddhism or Christianity, Islam or Hinduism. They call it their faith. This is my 
faith and I'm growing in my faith. That means my commitment and my confidence in a philosophy of God. And I want you to notice with me how important, how much importance the Word of God puts on this thing called faith, this thing that's used very commonly in our language, various religions, uh, various belief systems. But I want you to notice what the Bible says. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter number 11, the great faith chapter. This talks about the importance and the significance of faith in the life of many of the great elders of the Old Testament. The first verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Verse 3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let's make this simple for us right now. The first thing that happens in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, if she can pull that verse back up again, it basically defines what is faith. Faith is the substance of things that you are hoping for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing in something that you can't see. Faith is believing and having evidence in something that you are hoping for or believing for or putting your trust in. If you can see it, then it's not faith anymore. Amen? It's reality. But faith is believing before you can see the evidence of it. See, Jesus said of those that put confidence in him, like Thomas, after they had touched the wounds in his hand and uh, in his side and saw the resurrected body of Jesus, Jesus said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you believe. But blessed are those who believe even though they don't see. And that's where faith comes in, believing that Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, even though you didn't get to see the body. You believe, you have faith, and it's the evidence of things not seen. And then the second verse says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. This lets us know that the great men in the Word of God, in the Old Testament, whether it's Noah or, or Moses or Joseph or Jacob, Abraham, these great elders in Scripture that we look up to, the thing that defined them and gave them a good report with God and caused them to be worthy to be included in the Holy Scriptures is their faith. Because they believed in the unseen and accepted and embraced the Word of God and lived their life according to something they couldn't see. This is what gave them a good report. And so the Word of God says this is what faith is, believing in what you cannot see. And secondly, this is what gave the great men in Scripture their good report before God and caused them to be included in Scripture. And then verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand. There's something we understand through faith. And what is it? That the world's were framed by the Word of God. That means it is faith that causes us to understand that the world was made because of God's Word. And not only that, but the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, there is an invisible force that created all the things that are visible on the earth today. Matter, humanity, animals, plant form, rock formations, mountains, all of these beautiful things that we can see were formed 
and made and created by something that we can't see. And we understand through faith. Without faith, we don't understand it. Without faith, we've got to go down the road of, uh, of uh, human philosophy and science, falsely so-called, which teaches uh, the theory of evolution as truth, when in reality, it's very clear that the principles of uh, uh, the, the theory of evolution are missing so many major components for people to put confidence in them. But we believe by faith that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. That God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be a firmament, and there was a firmament. Let the waters above be depart, divided from the waters beneath, and it happened. And all of a sudden, there's an atmosphere so that plants and animals can survive. God said, let the sea be filled with fishes, and the sea was full of fishes. God said, let there be all manner of creeping animals, and all of a sudden, there's reptiles everywhere. God said, let there be four-footed beasts, and all of a sudden, there's zebras and giraffes and hippopotamus and horses and everything all over creation. It was formed by the words of God it was framed by the words of God and this is what our confidence in God is through faith through faith you believe and you understand something that the wisdom of this world which is foolishness in the eyes of God misses out on and that is that the world was framed by God so faith is our key to understanding creation and the existence of this world and the human existence. And then in verse 6, if you skip down to verse number 6, it says, but without faith. Uh, the reason I'm skipping verses 4 and 5, begin to mention some of the great elders that received a great report because of their faith. But in verse 6, for your attention, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It is impossible to please God unless you first believe that God exists and you also believe that if you pursue after God, he's going to bless you. Because you know why people pursue after God? There's a lot of other things you can pursue after. Pursue after money. You can pursue after women. You can pursue after pleasure. But when you decide to pursue after God, it's because you believe that God's going to bless you because you made up your mind to turn your face toward Him and pursue after Him. And the Bible makes it clear, outside of believing in the existence of God and believing that God is going to bless you when you pursue after Him, there is no way to please God. So if you don't believe this, if you don't believe there's a God, and if you don't believe He will bless you when you pursue after Him, then you can try everything else and you will not please God. I can imagine somebody sitting some good person, and you know, I take out, and I will never hide anybody. I take care of I'm a good citizen. My family loves me. I am. I'm just all around good guy. I'm just not into that cotter thing. I'm just should that the Bible says absolutely without faith it is impossible. And that's some clear wording, isn't it? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that misconception by being a good person, 
that they're pleasing God without having faith or believing and confidence in God. It all starts with faith. And without faith, all your effort is futile and useless. Can I get an amen? You understand what the Word of God is saying here? It starts out, you've got to believe that the worlds were framed by a God, that God has all power and authority that he's an invisible God that has influence and power and that if you will turn your attention away from your own little pursuits and your own little passions and your own little things in life and turn around and begin to face God and pursue after him that his blessings are going to come into your life. If you start believing that, then you can please God. Then you can have his favor. Then you can have his blessing on your life. Then you can have a good report from God. That's why I'm asking you today, have you got faith? Because if you don't have faith, it doesn't matter what else you have. And if you do have faith, it doesn't matter what else you're missing. But if you've got faith and you believe in God and you believe He's real and you believe if you put your face to pursue after Him that His blessings will be upon you, you can please God. And of course in verse 6 it defines the critical nature of faith that it's not an optional thing, it's not something and it's like wonderful and oh so sweet no it's impossible to please god without it so believing is the necessary element to pleasing god it's the necessary element to being saved not just being a good person but believing see the bible makes it clear in isaiah chapter 56 i'm sorry 64 and verse 6 it says all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags it just makes it real clear that our efforts to do good and be a good person cause us to fall short in receiving God's blessing. You could live your whole life best right? But if you don't have faith, it's as rags before God. You understand the clarity with which the scripture makes it makes it that faith is essential? Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. This sums it all up right here. It says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What does that mean, not of works? It means being a good person and doing good things won't get you saved. You're saved by grace because Jesus died on a cross so that his blood could be shed and applied for your life, amen, and by faith in Jesus Christ, by believing that he is and by pursuing after him, believing that he's going to meet your needs, this is how salvation comes to our life, amen? And by faith in God. So the key phrase is we access God's safe grace by faith. We know that Jesus died for all, but the Bible makes it clear that all are not going to be saved. Amen? There won't be any unbelievers in heaven. You hear me? There won't be any unbelievers in heaven, even if they're good people, if they've done good. If they don't believe in Jesus, if they don't believe in the one true living God who manifests himself in the flesh in Jesus Christ, without faith, they have no hope of making it into heaven because God's amazing grace shed through his body body's blood on the cross is accessed by faith when you believe in jesus christ you begin to tap in to that supernatural source of power and salvation through faith in jesus christ amen i don't have time to get into all of this but we understand that true faith 
is more than just mentally affirming that God exists. But true faith is when you turn away from your own pursuits and say, this is a God worth pursuing because what did, what did Hebrews 11, 6 say? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if I turn away from my own pursuits and pursue after him, I'm demonstrating that I believe, hallelujah, that if I pursue after God, he will meet my needs. And when you pursue after him, then you begin to obey him. Amen. So faith without obedience is not faith anymore. It's just mental affirmation. The Bible says, uh, you say you believe in one God. Good job. Even the devils believe in one God and tremble at his name. So that just lets you know, you and I both know that these devils that he's talking about are not saved just because they believe in God. I believe in God. The devil believes in God. You better believe he believes in God. Yeah. If anybody believes in God, the devil believes in God. Yeah, yeah. He was there when, when uh, uh, in an anthropomorphical sense, God's big foot kicked him in the rear end and sent him out of heaven. He better believe in God. He believes in one God and trembles. But just believing doesn't get you saved because faith is more than just believing that there's a God, but it's believing in such a way that you turn away from your own pursuits and you said, he's going, to please, he's going to be pleased with me. He's going to bless me if I pursue after him. And by pursuing after him, you give your life to him and you're buried with him in baptism and you receive the Holy Spirit. But please understand, just going through the act of baptism without faith won't do you any good at all. Well, I got baptized. You just got wet. You got to believe, amen, that the word of God, we've got a baptism today. I'm excited at the end of our preaching today. Uh, we have a young lady that's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And I want you to understand that when you go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, the shed blood of Jesus is going to wash away every sin that you've ever committed because you believe it. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I feel... I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. But without faith, our situation is hopeless. Everybody say, without faith. Without faith, I'm in an impossible situation. I can work my whole life. I can show great discipline. I can show great intentions and play them out in my life. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to be saved. It's impossible to receive God's favor and blessing. It's impossible for me to get tapped into the true vine that goes back to Father Abraham who received all the promises from God of prosperity and blessing and health. It's impossible for me to tap into it without faith. But let's talk about with faith. You know what a terrible position it's in, it's in, it is to be in without faith. But what does the Bible say about with faith? I want to read a couple of verses to you so that you get a, f a full impact of what the Bible says. This is Matthew 17 and 20. These are the words of Jesus. It says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Someone said, well, what is that? Well, the mustard seed is very, very small. But it doesn't stay small. It grows into something big. So you can start with just something small, amen, right? You don't have to come into this thing with huge faith. You come in with just a little bit of faith. You plant it in the right place, and it begins to grow, right? <laughs> you plant it in the Word of God, and the promise is the Word of God, and that seed of faith begins to grow. How many have found that to be true in your own life? Start small, gets big, because you put it in the right place. Faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, 
and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you if you have the right kind of faith. If you have faith, can start small and get big. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. So think about it. Without faith, everything is impossible. And with faith, nothing is impossible. Come on. Without faith, everything is impossible. But with faith, everything is possible. And I'm wanting to speak to Life Church today and cause you to realize that God's Word is full of promises that we can tap into if we'll put our faith in God. If we'll believe that if He said it, I believe it, it's settled. Hallelujah. Nothing. Shall, that's the words of Jesus. Nothing. You could say to this mountain, be removed hence. And it shall remove. He was using a huge example to show us the huge power of putting our confidence in God. Nothing is impossible. I want to also look at Mark chapter 9, verse 17. You know what? The Word of God is exciting, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's some sad preaching. If when the preacher says, turn to chapter, chapter whatever and verse whatever, you're like, oh, or Bible. I'm talking about, that should be the most exciting part of the sermon. That should be the most thrilling and enriching part of the sermon. Hey, we're getting ready to get into the Word of God. Come on, pay attention. Word of God, that's my hope. Amen. I, I like those little side excerpts where Brother Brown tries to do a comedy show very poorly, but when he gets in the Word of God, that's the exciting part. Into the Word of God. Amen. So get, turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Mark chapter number 9, verse 17. It says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his mouth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they could not cast him out, uh, that they should cast him out, and they could not. Verse 19, he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, you're faithless. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. Verse 21, and he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, which modern English version is real easy. It's like, you can believe. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Of course, the man shouted out in the next verse, Lord, I help thou mine unbelief. But the word says here, all things are possible to him that believe. If you don't believe, if you're a part of the faithless generation, God's 
getting tired of messing with you in essence. Oh, faithful generation, how long shall I suffer? I have long suffering of little faith or no faith, Jesus is saying. But all things are possible. All things are possible. So you've been an unbeliever, but I'm asking you to change to be a believer. The man says, okay, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He was saying, in essence, it's time for you to help me. I want you to help me get a new attitude. I want you to help me get a new outlook because it's going to be hard for me to receive this miracle with my old outlook. And I want to tell some of you people at Life Church that God has some special things in store for you, but it's going to be impossible for you to receive it with your current outlook on life, with, with your current attitude towards God, with your current mindset that's full of negativity and lacking in confidence and faith in God. Amen. You know what the Word of God says? It says it this way. Jesus said it. You can't new wine into an old wine skin because if you try to put new wine into an old wine skin it'll be dry it'll be brittle and it'll break and all the contents will spill out well in scripture the wine is always representative of two things either the spirit of god or the blessings of god right the Spirit of God and the blessings of God. And the Lord is saying, I'm not going to put my Holy Spirit in a fresh measure and I'm not going to put my blessings into your life if you've got an old attitude and an old wineskin that's full of doubt and unbelief because I could pour it in and it'll spill out and it'll break. But if you'll get a new attitude, if you'll begin to believe that all things are possible to him that believeth, then I can put blessing in you. I could put favor into your life. I feel an anointing in this place. I feel like it's time for some of you to shake off some old attitude. Some of you need to shake off some old negativity. You wonder why you haven't been blessed. You wonder why God hasn't put his favor into your life. You got to get your mind right first. You know what you got? You got a thinking problem. Right. I don't know who the singer was, but I've heard it before. Because I'm from Tennessee. He said, well, I admit I got a drinking problem. Remember? Actually, it's a thinking problem. That's right. Instead of a drinking problem, you've got a thinking problem. I can't get you off my mind. Maybe I made it up for this sermon. Now, get on Google. You'll find it. I admit i got a thinking problem. I can't get you off my mind. And some of us got a thinking problem. We think bad things are going to happen. We're looking forward to things getting worse. Come on, I'm preaching. I got one finger at you and three at myself because it's time for us to adjust our thinking because Jesus said all things are possible if you believe. But if you're full of unbelief, don't expect blessing to come your way. Don't expect God's favor to be on your life. I'm asking you a question today. Have you got faith or have you swallowed the pill of negativity? Oh God, I believe you. I believe you for favor. I believe you for miracles. I believe you for revival. I believe you for financial blessing. I believe you to bless my children. I believe you to bless my family. I believe, Lord. I believe, I believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, in your name. 
Oh, God. God's got something fresh and new for you. It's waiting. Amen. But he can't give it to you if you got the same old attitude. If you think you've gone as far in God as you can go, then God's not going to give you that fresh blessing. It'll all spill Somewhere along the way, you've got to get the wineskin changed and begin to think, I believe God's going to take me someplace new this week. I believe His anointing is going to work in me in a fresh new way. I believe God's going to open some new doors for me. Hallelujah. I believe God's favor is going to come into my life. You've got to believe if you want God's favor. You've got to believe if you want God's blessings. Without faith, it's impossible. Impossible. So you got to get in a discipline. Amen. I challenge you this week. When you wake up on Monday, when you wake up on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, start your day with faith. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get up and just think all the bad things that are going to happen to us today or could happen to us. You know what? God usually meets you at your level of expectation. According, Remember how many times did Jesus say, according to your faith, be it unto you? I'm going to lose my job today. According to your faith, be it unto you. My wife's going to be mean to me today. According. I know it may sound cheap. Positive mental attitude. Reality. God meets you at the level of your expectations. You wake up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Try it for a week. Every morning, wake up and say, God's going to bless me today. God's going to open doors of opportunity for me today. Spiritual doors, financial doors. God's going to open doors of opportunity for me today. And watch God meet you at your level of expectation. Some of you. Some of you can just say it in your spirit. Some of you may need to say it with your mouth. Some of you may need to get in front of the mirror so you can see yourself saying it with your mouth. Convince yourself that, that if you have faith in God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. Before I close, I want to just talk for a few moments about something God's It's about divine divine. If I were to give you just a snapshot of Jesus' earthly ministry, I just give you a little snapshot of Luke chapter 4, verse 40. This is what Jesus' earthly ministry was like. It says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse disease, that means a variety of diseases, brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Verse 41, and devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. This is a snapshot of Jesus. Another place it says they followed after and them. So not only do you have the specific miracles of Jesus that we read about, healed Bartimaeus, healed man, was let down. Uh, the healing man, blind, or spit in the ground. But you have countless that we don't know about in Scripture because Jesus went about healing all of them. 
all of their diseases. And then in John chapter 14 and verse 12, I want you to notice what Jesus' intentions were for the church. And thank you, Brother Day, for your testimony about God's healing power. John 14 and 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, this is Jesus speaking, the works that I do shall he do also. Or she, if you want to put that in there. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be here after a while. But if you believe on Jesus, you have a promise that the works that Jesus did, you're going to do them also. Because Jesus didn't intend his miracles to stop just because he went up into the heavens. Jesus didn't intend his supernatural uh, instances to stop just because he was no longer on the earth in the physical form. We all understand that he sent his Holy Spirit into believers. And he was the firstborn among many brethren. So in a sense, there are to be hundreds and thousands of ordained and anointed representatives of Jesus doing the works that he did and greater works than he did. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, the Bible says, but this was a, a prophecy about the work that Jesus was going to do. It says, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was up on him. And with his stripes, we are He was wounded for transgression. Bruised for our the chastisement of our peace was with the stripes of our Let me make this point. If you don't get anything today, get this right here. Divine healing is a part of the atonement. The same verse that talks about Jesus being wounded for our sin and for our transgression includes his stripes for our healing. And divine healing is part and parcel with the atonement. Now to understand this, let me explain to you the origin or the beginning of disease, sickness, pain, rebel against God's word. God told him not to touch or not to eat. They ate him. And Adam's rebellion resulted in spiritual death. And from this condition of spiritual death sprung forth the reign or rulership of sin and disease and pain. And because of Satan's control over humans, he charged the air with disease germs. And so there are two divisions of evil world. One of them is sin. The other of them is pain. And both of these twins are the work of Satan. Sin affects the spirit, while disease affects the physical body. Just so you understand, I am saying to you that sin 
I'm sorry, that sickness is a result and disease and pain in our bodies is a result of what Adam brought us in. The original sin. So, sin, sickness, and disease is a work of you with me, right? It's for clarity's sake, I'm not indicating that a person's sickness is a person's sin. I'm saying that sickness and disease of Adam's sin that passed on. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, because one sin, sin passed upon because of sin passed upon all men because all have sinned. I'm sure. Not only that, but because of transgression, sickness, pain, disease, as a work of became part of Sin affects and sickness and disease. They were all caused by the same spiritual death. And I believe that God looks upon disease as He looks upon sin. In the essence that both bring suffering to man. You know that, don't you? Most of the problems that are alive are so God. Right? Most problems that are in life, sick. You disobey God. Talking, uh, I was talking the other day to someone uh, talking about someone said this person has has bad luck. The reality is they don't have bad luck. They just make stupid decisions because the decisions they make consequences. They disobey God. There are consequences that come into your life, and so sin is suffering. Sickness also brings suffering. Pain also brings suffering. And they're a part of the original sin. So you understand, let me make, make again, clarify myself. I'm not saying that you have sickness in your life because of mistakes you made. It makes So the reality is sickness and sin both cause problems and both bring suffering to man who is God's beloved creation. God hates sin, God hates sickness. God hates sin, God hates pain. Why do you think Jesus, everywhere he went, was healing? Was relieving people's suffering. He was bringing peace to the soul and healing to the body. Are you with me? Why did Jesus do that? Just because he had the power to do it? No, because he could not stand to see people suffer. He was moved with compassion. He did not like sickness and disease, and he did not like sin. Remember that one time when Jesus was healing that man that came down Mark chapter 2, verse 9? And uh, he says, first of all, thy sins be forgiven. The guy's still sick. And the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, like, sins. Like, who is this? Go ahead and kill sin. Don't forgive sin. Mark 2, 9, Jesus said, why reason these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise, take up thy bed, walk. Jesus saying, why are you, why are you like different you? Saying, but why, why are you saying it's, it's easier to say, uh, thy sin, say, take up thy bed? Jesus was saying, as it's if everyone was the truth. It's all the truth. I've thy body, it's all the like one 
it's a, it's a package deal. Oh, forgiveness of sin, healing of the body. I'm fixing to die on the cross, you understand? And when I die on the cross, I'm dying so I can take care of sin and so I can take care of sickness and disease. That's what I came here for. I came here for. So Jesus is indicating that both sin and sickness were caused by the same spiritual death that was brought on us by Adam. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, I'm drawn to a close here. It says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Now look at the second part of the verse. This is what I want you to focus on. For the purpose of the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of death. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did God walk around and shoot left? Why? Why was he manifested? So that he might destroy Whatever mess the devil made, Jesus came to clean up. Whatever authority and power and dominion Satan had, Jesus came to destroy the works and the authority of the devil. And when you understand that both sin and disease are works of the enemy, you finally realize why Jesus went around healing diseases and healing sicknesses and healing people that were troubled with mental illnesses and people that were troubled with spiritual oppression. Jesus went around breaking the chains of the enemy and breaking the chains of sin and breaking the chains, amen, of addiction and breaking the chains of disease and sickness and pain and blindness and crippledness and deadness. Jesus went around destroying the works of the devil. And guess what? Jesus is not on the earth anymore in his body. And so it is a spirit-filled believer's right and responsibility to continue, amen, the job description of Jesus Christ, which is to destroy the works of the devil. Oh, my God, I feel it now. Destroy the works of the devil because the words of our mouth when we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, we give unto people the power to be liberated from sin, to be delivered from a life of oppression, and to be set free. Come on, I feel God in this place right now. Come on, praise Him right now. I feel it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, the Great Commission according to Mark says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Once again, it's all about faith. And these signs shall follow them that believe. 
In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, they shall They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall. If you're a believer, you become an extension of Jesus' ministry. Greater works than he did, you can do also. I want to tell you that some of you are living below your privileges, and God has an anointing and a purpose for your life. And it's all about faith. It's all about putting your confidence and your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says in James 5.14, it says, Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. It says in Mark 11 and then in John 14 the same thing. It says, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Come on. All things are possible. Nothing is impossible. God's given that power and authority into our hands if you will believe. Let's stand to our feet and praise the Lord together right now. Come on, somebody praise the Lord with me right now. I feel like praising Him. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. I got a seed, and I believe the seed's going to grow. Let me focus on what I got. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Now, we're going to respond to the Word of God in just a moment right here, and I feel in this place today, I feel like, I feel like laying hands on people in Jesus' name. I feel like laying hands on people in Jesus' name. Brother Francisco, I want you to help me. I believe there's a, a witness of faith right there with my brother in Jesus' name. Brother Francisco, come up here. We're going to lay hands on people in just a minute. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. But before we begin this, I want to encourage some of you that have been draped in a cloak of negativity for a few days or even a few weeks. And your confidence in God, your confidence in yourself, your confidence in the future has been shaken to the point to where you're just expecting nothing good to come. As I said, God will meet you at the level of your expectation. And some of you right now need to shake that off. Some of you need to make a decision that I am going to get a new attitude. 
I'm going to get a new mindset. And this week, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to say, God, I believe you to use me to reach somebody. I believe you today, Lord God, to open doors of opportunity for me. I believe today is going to be a good day. You're going to bless my family, Jesus. I believe today, Lord God, you're going to draw me closer to you. I believe today, Lord God, hallelujah, your will is going to be done in my life. Come on, somebody. It's time to shake off the negativity. Hallelujah. God wants you to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to get what you want from God. Hallelujah. I feel boldness right now. And I want anybody who is either sick in body or you've been struggling with the same thing for a long time and you need deliverance today. Whether it's a sickness, whether it's pain, whether it's something in your body, whether it's a habit, whatever it is, you need deliverance from God today. I want you to come forward right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want the rest of the body of Christ to begin to believe with me that some miracles are going to happen in this place today. share with you this witness. I was in uh, at uh, John and Lydia's house the other night, John and Lydia's house, and we saw a little miracle take place right in, right in their dining room. Uh, Rebecca was there, had a migraine headache, had to have her sunglasses on, and we took authority over pain in the name of Jesus, and God immediately released her from that pain, and she left that place bouncing off the walls because there was no more pain. And in Jesus' name, we believe that God can do the same. I know we've already prayed, but I believe right now there's some faith in this house to believe God for a miracle. Sister Rose, I want you to help me pray for some of these ladies, if you would. Grab the anointing oil. And I want you to ask somebody to pray for you. Ask Brother Francisco, Sister Rose, I'm going to help pray right now in the name of Jesus that there be healing and miracles transpire in this place. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. In the name of the Lord.
thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to do something right now. Those of you that are praying, continue praying. The rest of you, I want you to get in a group of at least two, maybe four or five. I want you to get in a group right now. Because the Bible says when two or three agree as touching anything, if two or three of you agree as touching, and I'm going to ask you to agree together because if there's one person in the group that has a need, or if all of you have a need, I'm going to ask you to agree together. Now, this is going to be interactive. I want you to talk to that person in your group and say, I want you to agree with me. Maybe it's for your son's salvation. I want you to agree with me for a miracle of healing in my body that, that my blood pressure will go down. I want you to believe together with me. So talk to your people. If you've got a group of like 12, it's probably not going to work. Break it down into two groups. and Say, hey, I, wanna, I want you to agree with me. Can you agree with me together? Hallelujah, that there's going to be a miracle in my family. Come on. That's it. Just speak it. Take a minute right now and speak it to each other. Can you agree with me before we pray? Talk to each other before we pray. Can you agree with me right now? Some of you uh, say, can you agree with me that I'm not going to lose my house? Can you agree with me that there's going to be a door that will open for a job? Will you agree with me? And I want you guys to respond if, you, if you're willing to agree with them. I agree with you. Will you agree with me? I'm believing God for this right now. I'm believing God that he will open a door of opportunity. Or I'm believing God that he will heal my mother. I'm believing God that he will touch this condition of my body. Okay, I want you to agree together right now in prayer. I want you to agree as touching that one thing. Amen. Or if it's two things or three things in your group, I want you to agree together. And I want you to speak it by faith in the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody in that group start praying right now, or all of you pray. And I want you to agree together in Jesus' name. God, we believe there's going to be miracles, Jesus. We're trusting you, Lord God. We're putting our confidence in you alone, Lord Jesus. I believe for the salvation of my children. Come on, that's it. Just speak it by faith. Believe it. I want you to agree together with me. Hallelujah. According to your faith. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Come on. I agree with you. I put my faith together with yours. We agree together. There's two of us. There's three of us. We're agreeing together. It shall be done. Come on, somebody speak it out in your prayer. Speak out, it shall be done. I agree. It shall be done.
promises, promises, promises.
clap your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I know Alexis is not out here. She's back there. But I want us to just let up a shout of celebration of what God's done in her life. Come on, somebody. Let's celebrate. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And we celebrate. Just like uh, our family celebrated when our baby was born. Everybody wanted to hold the baby, cuddle the baby, and, and uh, just uh, celebrate about the baby. Whenever there's a new baby born in the body of Christ, we need to have that same celebration, excitement, and attention, and focus. Praise the Lord and what God's doing because we're going to see a lot of it. Sister, Sister Rose, where's Sister Rose at? Sister Rose told me she believes it's going to be a great year by faith. That God's going to do great things in our church this year. And I agree with that, and I believe for it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I feel like the Lord has led me to preach for a few weeks uh, on the subject of faith. So we'll continue uh, part two next week, and we'll continue believing God for great things. And I believe people are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe, amen, I believe we're going to see miracles happen in this church. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll try to... See if we can't twist some arms and get Brother Costa here for a couple services during this focus on faith. Let's just talk about faith. We've got faith. Let's have faith because great things are going to happen for our church. Great things are going to happen for your family. Amen. Great things are going to happen Amen. for your ministry. You'll put your confidence in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I want you to greet a few people before you leave. And let's leave here rejoicing. Brother Steele's group is meeting. All right. Meeting uh, today at 530. And our other groups are meeting during the week. And Brother Rick says there are pastries, right, downstairs. If you want to go grab some in the kitchen, grab some pastries, take them home, freeze them or eat them. They'll all go to your hips and they'll all be good. Praise God. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Thanks for our guests for being with us tonight. God bless you. Also, if you're a, the parent of a Bible quizzer, uh, please uh, head on downstairs for a brief meeting with Sister Janelle and Rachel and, and Marvin uh, about the events. So Bible quizzers, parents, God bless.